Who's ever seen or heard of a, a treasure map uh, where you, you, there's a route laid out, you know, all the little lines, and there are clues as how to get to the spot where the X is? How many of you have seen or heard of that? Do you like that? Is that something that's fun or intriguing to you? The treasure map? We've had so many movies and stories and books about these things over the years. We're going to see a, a treasure map upon the board. I found this treasure map in a, a magazine called Country Living. Just this week I found this. See that? And see where X marks the spot on Money Cove? Now this is an island off the northeast coast of Maine. It actually belongs to Canada. And this is an island where Captain Kidd, before he surrendered, so the legend goes, buried a hidden treasure there at Money Cove. And people have looked for it for years with no results. There's a big X there that marks the spot where the buried treasure is. Jesus spoke these words to his disciples and to us. Do not store up treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What do you treasure? What is the greatest treasure that you have in your life? What's the most important thing to you? What is the one thing you cannot do without? That's a tough question to ask yourself. There's one thing I would not like to do without, is my Bible. I used to say they'll take my Bible from me when they pry my dead, cold fingers off of it. But you know what? I no longer say that. They can take and have it because I have it in my heart. And I've heard the word of God, and I know, and it's in here. Praise God. That's my greatest treasure because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus has called us to a different and higher way of life than that of the whole world around us. And you know, everything Jesus said was contrary to popular belief. Just because it's popular belief doesn't make it true or right. Jesus straightened that out. Our emphasis of thinking in life is to turn from a, or to shift from a focus on the temporal matters of life on earth to a focus on eternal matters of everlasting life in heaven. God wants us to take the shift, the focus. You see, we're trained and learned to focus is all about me. Just ask any parent with a baby. It's all about the baby. Wah, I want my bottle. Wah, I want to go to sleep. Wah, I want my diaper changed. It's, we're trained, it's all about me. And then we started getting into life. We found out, no, it's not all about me. There are other people around. I've got to live with other people. I've got to learn to share. Just ask a two- and three-year-old. You've got to share your... No, it's mine. We need to shift our focus from just this life because there's more to life than just this life. There's more to life than just physical living. There is a spiritual life, an everlasting life that God offers to all people.
And here at Colossians 3, we are shown how we can make that shift. We can make that shift of our focus because we have been raised up with Christ. When you receive Jesus Christ as a personal Savior, He raised us out of the miry clay and set our feet upon the rock, Jesus Himself. Psalms 40 and verse 2. He raised us from darkness into light. Ephesians 1, 5. He raised us from sin into life in Christ. Ephesians 1, 5, excuse me. He raised us from darkness into light. 1 Peter 2, 9. He raised us from Satan's domain into Christ's kingdom. Colossians 1, 13. He raised us out of judgment to forgiveness of sin. John 5, 24. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say unto you, whoever hears my word and believes on him who sent me has everlasting life and will not come into the judgment because they have passed out of death into life. And all God's people said, This next one, if this next one doesn't overwhelm you, I don't know what will. He raised us to equality with Christ. Romans 8:16. We are heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Now think about that. We are heirs of God because of our faith in Jesus and joint heirs with Christ. That signifies that we are accepted in God's presence on the same equality as Jesus, his son. That blows my mind. That just overwhelms me. I say, God, how could that possibly be? That's because of the magnificence of the love that God has for us and what He wants us to know and experience forever. He raised us to receive an inheritance. Colossians 3, 23-24. He raised us to security in Christ. He raised us so we can shift our focus from earthly matters to heavenly matters. In Ephesians 2, he raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That's what God has done for us. He raised us so our focus is at the right hand of God where Christ is now seated. The right hand of power, the right hand of authority, the right hand of majesty, That's why Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, God's right-hand man, the sign of authority, majesty. We worship his majesty, Jesus himself, the personal representative of God to us. Isaiah 26 says, The ungodly do not behold the majesty of God, therefore they have no change in their life. Once you experience and see the majesty of God in Christ, as Paul did on the road to Damascus, when a light shone brighter than the bright sun and blinded him, and God spoke to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Was Saul persecuting Jesus? I thought he was persecuting Christians. 
That's persecuting Jesus because the, a believer in Christ is part of the body of Christ. It's an attack on Jesus himself. And God doesn't take that lightly. We need to behold the majesty of God in Jesus Christ. So we can make the shift from earthly matters to heavenly matters. Why? Because we died with Christ. Colossians 3, 3. You see, boy, that doesn't make sense. How could we die with Christ and still live? We died to sin and self-centeredness and were made alive in Christ. Romans 6, 1 through 6. I hope you're taking notes and writing down all these verses so you can look them up this week and review. Our life is now hidden with Christ in God. John 10, 27 and 28. I'll tell you a little story about these two verses. These are the very first memory verses that I memorized as a follower of Jesus in August of 1965. One month after I received Christ as a personal Savior, I memorized these verses. You know why? I went to vacation Bible school. It was the last week of August. I'm walking in the door and the pastor says, Oh, Phil, I'm glad you came for VBS. He says, Come with me. I want you to teach the beginners. One month old in Christ. I was an introvert. I was very scared, very shy. I want you to teach the beginners. Okay, here we go. I'm glad it was the beginners. They are so much fun. We had so much fun reading the Bible stories and learning these two verses. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no man can take them out of his hand. So you see, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you put him right, God puts you right in the palm of Jesus Christ. His fingers are on there. And the Father put his hand over it. No one, nothing in all of the universe can separate us from the love of Christ because we're secure in him. You can't take it away. You can't lose it because you're kept by the power of God. You're not kept by your own power. Listen to these words from a hymn. Good old hymn. More secure is no one ever than the loved ones of the Savior. Not yon star on high abiding, nor yon bird in home nest hiding. God his own doth tend and nourish. In his holy courts they flourish. Like a father kind he spares them. In his loving arms he bears them. Neither death nor life can ever from the Lord his children sever. For his love and deep compassion comforts them in tribulation. Little flock, to joy then yield thee. Jacob's God will ever shield thee. Rest secure with this defender. At his will all foes surrender. What he takes and what he gives us shows the Father's love so precious. We may trust his purpose wholly. Tis his children's wherefore only. The ungodly don't have this. The ungodly don't have this security. They don't have the sense of the presence of God. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. 
It's no longer my selfish I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This should be the goal of our life, to live out our life this way, to be our treasure, to live a life that's crucified with Christ, a living sacrifice given over to God. We can make the shift from earthly matters to heavenly matters because we know that we will appear with Christ in glory. Colossians 3 here says, When Christ appears in glory, then you also will appear with him. All of you who have put your faith in Jesus Christ, Christ will be revealed in the last days, Matthew twenty four thirty. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Jude 1, 14 and 15. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. We will be with him. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Why not make the shift from the things on this side? Because we're going to live with God forever and with Christ in eternity. Let's shift our treasure here. That's why our treasure is up in heaven. So we can make the shift from earthly treasures to heavenly treasures. So what treasures can we lay up in heaven? Well, a crown of glory, 1 Peter 5, 4. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And 1 Peter is all about suffering. Suffering? You shouldn't suffer as a Christian. Yes, you should. Because Paul said, if anyone desires to live godly in Christ Jesus, he will suffer persecution. Look at all that Jesus said. Blessed are you when people will say, all men are evil against you falsely for my name, and separate you from their company. They don't want you around. You're one of those holy rollers. You're one of those God people. I was telling the story to to a friend of mine, Friday. Old Joe. Back in the late 1800s, he lived in a country village. He lived way down against the street, one street going down church right in the center. And he walked the church every Sunday morning carrying his Bible. Now, old Joe was in his late 80s. He was almost blind, very hard of hearing. But he walked the church every Sunday morning carrying his Bible. One Sunday morning, there were a bunch of teenage boys standing there, and they started heckling them. Oh, Joe, why do you just keep going to that church? You're so old you can't see, you can't hear. Why do you keep going down there? He held up his Bible. He said, because I want people to know whose side I'm on. Crown of glory. What else? What other treasure can you lay up in heaven? 
others influence to trust Christ. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2.19, For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus had his coming? Is it not you? How many people have you influenced to come to Christ? Have you reaped 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold like Jesus said? How many people have you influenced by the testimony of your life and sharing with them the truth of the gospel? When you get an answer to prayer, who do you tell? You call all your brothers and sisters of Christ. Hey, God answered my prayer. What about your unsaved friend? Call them and tell them, hey, guess what God did for me? Guess what God showed me in His Word? Guess how God answered my prayer? Guess how God kept me safe? The ungodly people need to hear that, to know that God is alive and at work in the lives of His people. And we will receive a crown for influencing other people to put their trust in Jesus. We can lay up a treasure of a crown of life, James 1.12. Blessed is the person who remains steadfast during testing. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. God has promised a crown of life to those who love him. Do you love God? Have you learned how to respond to God's love? When's the last time you say, God, I love you? Should have been just a few minutes ago or early this morning. God, I love you. Respond to God's love. He loves you so much. What else can we lay up in heaven? A crown of righteousness. First, Second Timothy 4.8. Paul said, Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous George, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. To all who have loved his appearing. How many of you love the Christmas story? Raise your hand if you love the Christmas story. That's loving Christ's appearing. He was eternally existent as God and came into a human form, born as a baby, to grow up and to become the Savior of the world, to demonstrate to us grace and truth and reveal the magnificence of God's love beyond human comprehension. You can receive a a crown of righteousness for trusting that. You can lay up a testimony of loving God, loving others, and following Christ. The book of Hebrews talks all about this, people receiving their reward. And this was stuck out to me, Hebrews 11, 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Jesus said, I always seek Please, my Father. Here's one you probably don't know about. A reward for doing good deeds. Ephesians 6, 5, 8. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with respect and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would unto Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he's a bondservant or is free. Whatever good will and good deeds you do, 
working for someone else, God's going to reward you for it, for your faithfulness. Because you're not working for your employer, simply. You are working for the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, the end of the chapter. I challenge you to read it. Soak it in. What else? What other treasure can we lay up in heaven? Prayers offered and answered. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6, But you, when you pray, enter into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That's treasures we can lay up in heaven. How many of you remember 2010 when 33 miners were caught in a cave in Chile from a cave-in? They interviewed these guys after they were rescued and asked them, how did you endure this? We began praying instantly. We began praying as a team, asking God for deliverance, asking God to send someone to help. And they stayed in that prayer the whole time. God answered their prayer. Their rescuers, thinking about, well, where, where, where might they be? And they think and they look and over on I think if we drill right here, we can find them. And they drilled a hole down. Sure enough, they get down there, choo, goes into the cavity. The guys up top start tapping on the, the rod, the drill. The miners in there hear it. They run over and tap back. And one guy grabbed a can of spray paint and sprayed red paint on it. They drew the drill back up out. They said, we found them, we found them. And then they got the other guy to come in and drill that big four-foot hole and take it down and put it in the cage to rescue them one by one. God answered their prayer. And the world got to hear about it because they trusted God and believed Him. God's rewards. What else can we lay up in heaven? A crown that lasts forever. 1 Corinthians 9.25 Do you not know that in a race all runners run, that only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. He was talking about a comparison of the, the Olympic Games. You know what the reward was for winning the game? An olive wreath. A wreath made of olive branches stuck on their head. Hey, I won the race. Five days later, need to throw it out. No good. But being faithful to God, pursuing Him, seeking Him in everything you think and say and do, affords for you a crown that will last forever. So the question we need to ask ourselves is this. Where is my treasure? Where is my focus? Am I focused on heavenly matters? Or am I focused on earthly possessions, passions, position in life, and the pride of life? We are told in the Scriptures, stop loving the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the passion thereof. But whoever does the will of God will live forever. 
Where is the true buried treasure? Where is it that X marks the spot? Where is it that we can really turn from ourselves and look into the face of God and see Jesus Christ sitting at the Father? There's where X marks the spot. That's where the true treasure is, is at the foot of the cross. When you come and surrender to the living God. Hear the words of Isaiah. This is what the high and lofty one says. The one who is eternal. The one whose name is Yahweh. I dwell in a high and lofty place. But I also dwell with the person who is repentant toward me and humbled in my presence. Are you repentant? Have you changed your mind about God and about your relationship to him? That's what repentance is. It's just to simply change your mind from not believing God to say, yes, God, I believe you. I believe the Bible says that sin is sin. I believe that what the Bible promises God will give and God will do. That's repentance. And then humbled in the presence of God. You sense the presence of God here this morning? It's humbling to know that we are in the presence of the living God. He's right here and manifesting himself, making himself known to us, reassuring us that we belong to him and he belongs to us. And anyone that doesn't know them can experience that same thing. Where's your treasure? What are you trusting in? What are you looking for? We have the opportunity and the capability to change the focus of our attention from the things of this earth to the eternal matters of God. The Lord has revealed to us what our treasures can be. May the Lord help us be in the business of laying up those treasures in heaven. Amen.